0: Olympia Yaga is the CEO and founder of GoTerra and most recently has been named the 2023 Australian of the Year for the ACT. Now, GoTerra are fighting food waste with robots and solving one of the agriculture industry's biggest financial and climate pain points. So let's find out more. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, So to put it in layman's terms, you're a maggot farmer. Indeed. So how did you get here?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a common question because why? I am from conventional agriculture and that's all I wanted to do. But farming conventionally is becoming harder with the pressures of climate because we can't produce food reliably without reliable weather. And so we are finding ourselves in a place where now the cost of feed is actually exceeding the operating costs that make a business viable and then that volatility is actually affecting the long-term production outcomes for farmers. So I was looking for a protein source that I could farm without arable land or water or without being affected by climate and found insects and I thought I'll just have insects on the side like you grow a bit of oats on the side um, and then I realized that farming nuggets was a thing on its own right. So it started off there um, but then the more I understood about waste which is what I was feeding the insect the more I realized that the real problem to solve because the problem with creating food is a symptom of our life, right? We create climate change itself is a symptom of the way we're living our life. It's not actually a problem to solve. It's a symptom of the problems that we've created. And so when I started to look at food waste as a feed source for my livestock, I realized that one of the biggest challenges around recycling is distribution and unlocking access to the resources to be recycled. And that's when I was like, if we put the maggots in a box and take it close to the waste, now we've found a solution that actually hits a couple of boxes and so here I am now maggot farmer
0: amazing yeah but when you say you're a maggot farmer you aren't just kind of in fields with maggots everywhere crawling all over you you're kind mm, of no. <laughs>
1: Do God. <laughs> Only some
0: <something. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but pretty much it's my understanding that kind of in the bottom of a building, for example, where all of the food waste goes, that's where you put your maggots. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so we have built a robotic system, an industrial robot, that accepts waste. So it has a bin lifter or a commercial receivable system. Um, it processes that waste and makes it suitable to be fed to livestock or, in this case, the insects, and then it knows to draw from that waste tank and feed itself. And inside are housed all the insects in trays, very, very civilised. And the robot's job is to feed them and keep them happy, which means to manage their environment in a way that makes it so they optimally eat as much food as possible and they grow as big as they can and they stay healthy and happy. So it's analogous to a trash compactor, except where a trash compactor is a repository to hold waste over a period of time so that you can take it somewhere. Our trash compactor is processing and managing the food waste on site. So you're reducing truck movement, you're creating an on-site capacity that ha- means you're moving less. And then when you do come to take this contents away, you're taking actual now recovered resource so you're taking a protein which is the insect and the insects manure which is a fertilizer replacement so you're now only transporting a fraction of what went into it and that offtake is highly valuable so it's sort of upside down the whole thing but without really disrupting our customers or clients so no that's amazing so then
0: what do you do with both of those streams you've got Your fertiliser, are you then reselling that to different agricultural businesses? Yep.
1: So it's sold just like chicken manure is sold today. We we pelletise it and sell it direct into agriculture or to market gardens. And then the protein similarly is processed and at the moment turned into a whole product. So super high in protein. It's got a high fat content. And then we sell that into small holding producers, so chicken farm, aquaculture, and pet food. And then as we continue to grow, we sort of commercialise those streams a little bit more into new customer markets. So, yeah, it's exciting.
0: It is so exciting. So I'm sure that our listeners are picturing like the maggots that they get in their bins when they've kind of forgotten about them and they are like the white wriggly disgusting ones Mm. but you're talking about ones that
1: are far prettier (laughs) and far more beautiful on the maggot scale i'm not biased but i am biased (laughs) our maggots are less gross than so you've got all kinds of flies or most insects have some kind of larva and fly larva obviously has the lay term of maggot the difference between the maggot the wee farm and some of the maggots you might find in a bin accident that ours are uh, an aerobic feeder that actually opens the waste and aerates it. And so the smell from our lava, it still smells, but it's a more of a fermented food waste smell like you'd get out of a compost than it is a death-dying anaerobic smell that you'd get from a, more, a bushfly or a housefly. And so it reduces all the pathogens and bacteria that you usually find in food waste and makes it a lot safer to handle or manage. And the insect itself is not a pest species or a vector for human disease because of these factors. So as a commercialization prospect, you've got an insect that's safer, easier to manage and then doesn't have those health risks that you would have if you were farming house flies. So, yeah, yeah. I and they're it, prettier.
0: They are. Sure. And I feel like, I don't know, this sounds really gross, but I touch mine and, like, I hold them – And they don't leave a residue. They're quite dry. Yeah. Leathery. Yeah, leathery. That's a great way of describing it because I feel like black soldier fly larvae, when I first started getting into composting, I found them in my bin and I went, oh, my gosh, I've done the wrong thing. I know. And I literally (laughs) was picking them up and throwing them over my neighbor's fence because I was like, get this out of here. I do not want this anywhere. I know. And it wasn't until I did my research and I was like, I've been throwing away composting gold. Yeah, yeah. And I've been giving it to my lucky neighbors the whole time time this is awful (laughs) because i think the best thing about like soldier fly larvae is because as well they're so quick to grow yes isn't that they grow from kind of a baby little egg until a big mama in like 12 days is that right
1: yeah so like in the wild the life cycle from like egg to ready to become a fly again sort of 25 days total so that real growing larval stage is like yeah 12 to 15 days depending and they Eat and eat and eat and eat. And that that leathery texture helps them aerate, right, so they're not sticking to things, whereas the more sort of meniscus-covered slimy ones, they need that to tunnel through anaerobic substrate. So it's all use case and fit-for-purpose stuff, but the hardest thing about insects is that for centuries we have lowest common denominator social education. Don't touch that. It's got maggots equals dirty, right, and it's hard to sort of turn that around and become more enamoured with them. But I'm there. <laughs> There's hope for all of us. <laughs>
0: right. Isn't there, there is a black soldier fly larvae that has been named after you. I'm going to get yeah. this pronunciation wrong. The Hermatia olympiae. Yep. Is that
1: right? So hermetia olympiae is a soldier fly. So the black soldier fly is Hermetia lucens. And then Dr. Brian Lessard, who's like one of the most incredible science educators he was in the CSI Rose insect collection. He discovered the species in the Dane tree and it is a soldier fly that is native to Australia and um, named it after me. And she's beautiful. She's much smaller and she's got hairy eyes. <laughs> but um, it was the most incredible honour and I feel really privileged that that's part of the story of who I am. But, yeah.
0: It's amazing. I think it's so exciting and I think it's that acknowledgement as well because we don't really talk about this type of science, the fact that you're kind of putting together technology with also food waste, with also agriculture. I think it's this really interesting and unique position that you're in to kind of go across so many different industries and make such an impact.
1: Yeah. It's hard, right, because when we think about innovation, we imagine that we've got to be super complex and very like, Yeah, there's got to be a drone and blockchain and AI and everything needs, and then, you know, really fine robotics. And there are solutions that need that kind of technology, but there are other opportunities to create, you know, all we've really done is commercialize the capability of what nature is doing on our own with a very fit for purpose industrial robot. So it's a much more integrated approach to solving a problem because we're just trying to unlock distribution.
0: No, it's really, really exciting. What do you think is the future for insects in Australia?
1: Oh, we haven't even scratched the surface. Like the industry is really starting to get legs now as some of the... Pun intended. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) There will be no podcast without at least one. But it's like you've got all of these people who are looking at insects as an option, but you've got to remember there's no... Department of Ag pamphlet on how to grow maggots or grow mealworms or crickets. And so you you see an industry that's had to both learn about a new animal and then determine how to farm it and then commercialise that farming system. That's a lot of work and a lot of money. And so the the startups that were just sort of getting in there when I started are also now starting to commercialise their products. So you've got Sky's Edible Bug Shop, down in Sydney and and those guys have got chips and all sorts of things made out of cricket flour and you've got shoe bugs down in South Australia which is a farming family that are growing crickets and a whole bunch of mobius in South Australia as well doing black soldier fly and fly farm up in Queensland and future green solutions in West Australia. So you've got all this industry starting to build as people sort of gather that collective knowledge and get it together. So my bet is that in the next five years, uh, insect protein in our pet food and our livestock feed will be quite normal and usual. And we will be starting to understand the opportunities for insect protein in human feed and food production. And then we'll also be looking at industrial uses. So Yeah, I don't think we've even scratched the surface on what insects are going to be able to do for us moving forward.
0: It's so exciting. I think we're at this kind of tipping point and I think it's amazing that you're already in this industry and you're able to kind of, I don't know, open up the doors for other people and give people opportunities and say, this is possible. Yeah. You've done so much hard work pushing against the grain. Yeah. Actually. And now you can really start to see everything happening and give it's inspiring for everybody else to it's see a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, coming forward. I remember reading an article years ago about like cockroach milk is the next thing and <laughs> everyone was like, this is foul, this is disgusting. And I yeah. was like, it probably might happen in the future.
1: Like there's so much going on. Well, it's interesting though what we consider gross, right? Like we didn't like sushi in the 80s either. And we were like, guys, raw fish. Raw. And we have to remember that, like, humans are largely unadventurous when it comes to food. We eat what our families ate. We eat what's trendy. We don't change what we eat generally week to week. Very few people buy outside their normal, like, they they do the same thing when they shop. And so it's easy to go insects are gross, but it's like we put, like, Meat in our mouth, like the flesh of an animal and the blood of an animal, we mop that up with bread and we're all like, This was delicious. And we suck marrow out of a bone and we say that's nice. So I'm not sure if the jump is as wide a cavern as we pretend it to be to eat an insect. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've just decided that these things are okay because and it fits our culture and we're sort of part of it, but like why is one not okay and the other and it's it's literally just around cultural connotation and different types of food so i think our privilege around what we believe is suited to be eaten will start to go away at the same time our social license to want to do better will force us to explore so it should work out i reckon
0: no it'll be (laughs) exciting i'm really looking forward to it. i actually had a couple of years ago, I had all of those kind of corn packing peanuts that you get uh, yeah. in, um, like in e-commerce orders, yeah. and I had too many of them, so I literally was like, "I'm just going to give these away." Yeah. And this guy turned up to my house; it was so bizarre. And he was like, "I was like, oh, what are you using them for? Like, do you have a business as well?" And he was like, "Oh no, mealworms. I've got yeah, I've got insects at home. I'm yeah. going to go and feed them to them." And I was like, "Oh, okay. What do you do with them?" He's like, "Yeah, I eat them." Yeah. He was like, "I was a vegan, and now I'm eating crickets. Yeah. and I'm eating mealworms and all of these things." So I was yeah. like, "He was doing that years ago." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like people will just keep on trying new things and their protein qualities, you say they've got good fats, yeah. everything I think yeah. is far superior. So, we'll- Yeah,
1: and it's not like we haven't eaten insects. Like our uh, the Indigenous food of Australia is made of insects. Asia has been eating insects. Africa, like America, they ate insects. Like this is not – we're not revolutionising anything. This is just we're coming back to this place out of necessity and out of innovation. But – We've been here before. It's yeah. not new.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's like so many things. It's sustainability. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, 50 years later, the revolutionary soap bar. Oh, yeah, back. yeah. Like,
1: or oh, put, put food, leftover foods in a jar instead of plastic, and you're like, so like it's the 30s again. Yeah. Got it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I've got one last question for sure. you, and that is, what is one actionable thing that our guests can do tomorrow to help save our planet?
1: So my big one, and it sounds a bit odd and vague, but it's quite specific, is to care more. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes we are very comfortable actioning things in our bubble. So it's like I will recycle, but if the conversation comes up, I don't want to step on anybody or make a statement that might feel inflammatory. But I think we actually are now in timing-wise in a place where we actually need everybody to collectively Say that these things need to be true and, and lend our voice to the masses saying that I am too. So even if it's things like, you know, around plastic use, sort of committing to, you know, we don't use, we don't buy glassware or mugs anymore at home. We just use old jars from our food. And when people comment on it and I'm like, why would you not? Like this is a way better, this olive jar is a way better tumbler than the tiny little glass you buy from Woolworths or from David Jones. Like look how big it is. And and then this olive jar is really skinny so you can have a mojito in here. And everyone like gets on board with that because they're like, actually that's really trendy. And so I think committing to actually putting yourself out there and telling people because I think we have seven years to make a difference and if we're all just, at home doing it on our own we're not actually going to help push it we need we need to sort of sort of now start pushing it against others and asking everyone else to commit too. so
0: I couldn't believe during COVID how many people got turned down at coffee shops with their reusable cups but what shocked me the most was that people then wouldn't go back to that coffee shop with their coffee cup Mm. it was like going back to see an ex they're like no no well they told me they told me no once so yeah. i'm never going to ask again and yeah. it's like well if they reject you that's fine yeah. just go back again and again yeah. because it means nothing to anybody and no, you no. just need to push and you're telling that cafe over and over again this is what you want
1: this matters yeah yeah and it's not like i get the reason during covid times yeah. but like we've just not gone back some like we're just like oh and now we're back to disposables again it's like No. And I think, yeah, you're right. We've got to actually say, no, I need you to come back to me on this one. This one matters. This one we can legitimately make a difference about. And and we need more people pushing that agenda.
0: And if you are rejected, fine, use that single-use coffee cup for that time and then come back again. And I think it's like just being comfortable in the uncomfortable like Mm -hmm. nobody wants to be that person like i remember being so uncomfortable kind of when i was eating meat going to the butcher with my container saying is it okay do you mind is it much of an inconvenience yeah yeah and it was so hard but it's just kind of doing that is pushing and it it does really make a difference
1: yeah and i don't think as many people care as you think you do do in their in your head do you know what I mean like I most of the time when you ask for stuff like that people like oh yeah right no worries like we we do it with takeaway food we go in and we're like here's my order can you put it in our containers and they're like sure like nobody's do you know what I mean I don't think like you said people don't care as much as what you imagine they might and Mm. yeah the rejection will not kill you exactly it'll make you stronger (laughs) (laughs) thank thank you so much for coming on the podcast what a lot of fun yeah thank you